Welcome to the Daily News and Brief podcast. Due to the current lockdown, we are recording this podcast remotely. Today is the 16th of April and this week's main story is The Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab has thanked the staff at St Thomas's in London after the Prime Minister was discharged from the hospital on Sunday. Boris Johnson is now recuperating from coronavirus at his Chequers residence in Buckinghamshire. Raab, who is currently deputising for the Prime Minister, said Johnson would be focusing on his recovery and not carrying out government work. Meanwhile, the Chancellor has insisted that those living in care homes have not been forgotten after two of the UK's largest care home providers revealed more than 500 of their residents have already died from the virus. As deaths in UK hospitals rose to 12,868 on Wednesday, HUK Director Caroline Abrahams warned the government's figures risked airbrushing older people out by excluding deaths occurring in care homes. Chancellor Rishi Sunak has pledged to speed up the publication of accurate data from UK care homes, but claimed this posed a logistical challenge due to the dispersed nature of the sector. There are far more care homes than hospitals in the UK, making it more difficult to collect reliable data. At the government's daily coronavirus briefing on Wednesday, Health Secretary Matt Hancock outlined the government's new strategy for halting the spread of the virus in care homes. Under new rules, any care home resident discharged from hospital will now be tested for the virus before they are readmitted to their home. Testing will also be extended to all symptomatic care home residents, as well as social care staff and members of their households. Hancock said changes were also being made to social care guidelines to limit the risk of infection in homes, enabling people to say goodbye to critically ill loved ones wherever possible. However, the care sector has responded with caution to Hancock's promise, warning that far more personal protective equipment than is currently available would be required to make this possible. On Tuesday, new data from the Office for National Statistics showed 10% of virus-related fatalities in England and Wales in the week ending the 3rd of April occurred outside hospitals, more than half of which were recorded in care homes. Meanwhile, the government has rejected calls from the Labour Party urging ministers to publish their exit strategy from the virus lockdown. Sakir Starmer told reporters it was vital the government published its approach to easing the restrictions so the public could have an idea of how the lockdown would be safely lifted. A Downing Street spokesperson has dismissed the Labour leader's request, arguing that an exit strategy could not be discussed until the peak of the epidemic was over. When asked if the government would not publish its exit strategy because it didn't have one, the spokesman insisted extensive work on the issue was taking place. Meanwhile, the Office for Budget Responsibility has warned that the pandemic could trigger a record 35% decline in UK growth by June. The independent spending watchdog said this figure was based on the assumption that the current lockdown measures would last for three months. Under this scenario, unemployment is forecast to grow from 3.9% to 10%. It follows a survey from Opinion which found that those in private rental properties are struggling to afford rent payments. According to the poll, one in five renters has been forced to choose between food and bills or paying rent, prompting renters' unions to call on the government to suspend payment for the duration of the crisis. Meanwhile, the Social Market Foundation, SMF, has suggested the so-called triple lock guarantee on state pension rises should be scrapped. The triple lock ensures that the basic state pension rises by either 2.5%, the rate of inflation or average earnings growth, whichever is largest. The SMF has called for the guarantee to be abandoned to ensure the massive economic burden of the pandemic is shared fairly between young and old. The number of confirmed coronavirus cases around the world passed 2 million on Wednesday. In Russia, President Vladimir Putin warned the situation was changing practically every day and unfortunately not for the better. The country has reported more than 20,000 cases of the infection so far and 200 people have died. China has voiced concern about the spread of the virus in Russia after the majority of its new cases were recorded in regions bordering its northern neighbour. In one editorial, the Chinese state-owned Global Times wrote, 
Russia is the latest example of a failure to control imported cases and can serve as a warning to others. Meanwhile, in South Asia, the World Bank has warned the region may be facing its worst economic performance in 40 years. A report from the bank said, South Asia finds itself in a perfect storm of adverse effects. Tourism has dried up, supply chains have been disrupted, demand for garments has collapsed, and consumer and investor sentiments have deteriorated. In Europe, France and Italy recorded a fall in deaths on Sunday, with Italian officials reporting the country's lowest toll in more than three weeks. In Spain, authorities have begun easing the lockdown restrictions that have brought the nation's economy to a standstill. Those employed in services such as manufacturing and construction returned to work on Monday following a two-week suspension of all non-essential activity. While the rate of new infections has been falling in Spain, Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez said the loosening of restrictions did not mean an end to Spain's state of emergency. We are all keen to go back out on the streets, but our desire is even greater to win the war and prevent a relapse, he said. In Italy and Austria, thousands of shops reopened on Tuesday as lockdown measures were eased, although the Italian region of Lombardy and other severely affected northern areas have held off on loosening restrictions. Meanwhile, Denmark has become the first country in Europe to reopen its primary schools. Pupils will return to school following a month-long closure, although desks will be spaced two metres apart and break times will be taken in small groups. In the US, Donald Trump has said his administration is freezing payments to the World Health Organization, WHO, over its handling of the pandemic. In a briefing at the White House on Tuesday, Trump said funding would be withheld for up to 90 days pending a review of WHO's warnings about the virus. He has accused the organization of severely mismanaging the crisis and covering up the outbreak. Leading health experts have warned that the decision to cut funding will cost lives. Richard Horton, editor-in-chief of the Lancet Medical Journal, described the move as a crime against humanity. Meanwhile, in New Zealand, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has announced that government ministers and public service chief executives will take a 20% pay cut for six months. The pay cut is effective immediately and includes Ardern's salary. The PM said it was important that New Zealand's most highly paid politicians show leadership and solidarity with other workers and those who had lost their livelihoods as a result of the crisis. In UK news, Huawei has urged the UK government not to reverse its decision to allow the Chinese telecoms firm a role in Britain's 5G network. The government approved a limited role for Huawei in the UK's 5G rollout in January, although a backbench rebellion within the Conservative Party last month signalled support for overturning the decision. In an open letter, Huawei's UK chief, Victor Zhang, said the coronavirus lockdown had seen home data use rise by at least 50% in the UK. Zhang warned the outbreak had highlighted how many British communities are stuck in the digital slow line. Disrupting our involvement in the 5G rollout would do Britain a disservice, he said. A Freedom of Information request from The Times has revealed at least 45 environmental activists were referred to the government's anti-terrorism programme between April 2016 and March 2019. Referrals to the Home Office's Prevent programme can be made by public bodies such as councils, schools and universities when they deem a person to be at risk of radicalisation. Green Party politicians have expressed serious concerns about the number of environmental activists referred to the anti-terror programme. Green Party leader Caroline Lucas said the biggest risk we face is the climate emergency and bringing that to public attention through peaceful protest is not a terrorism risk, it's a public service. A leaked internal report into Labour's handling of anti-Semitism complaints has suggested factional hostility towards Jeremy Corbyn hindered the party's attempts 
to combat the problem. The report was completed in the last months of Corbyn's leadership and was intended to be submitted to the Equalities and Human Rights Commission inquiry into Labour's handling of anti-Semitism within its ranks. However, an intervention by the party's lawyers allegedly means the document will no longer be submitted. Its findings contradict the complaints of former Labour staffers who told BBC Panorama there had been interference in Labour's handling of anti-Semitism complaints by Corbyn's inner circle. The report found no evidence that anti-Semitism complaints were treated differently to other complaints and concluded that many staff at the party's HQ were bitterly opposed to the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn and seemed to have been largely interested in work that could advance a factional agenda. It suggests some party employees took the view that the worse things got for Labour, the happier they would be, since this might expedite Corbyn's departure from office. The new Labour leader, Sir Keir Starmer, has ordered an immediate investigation into the leaked report. Ofcom has launched an investigation into comments made by Eamon Holmes after the This Morning presenter suggested it was too easy to dismiss conspiracy theories linking 5G technology to the coronavirus pandemic. On Monday's show, Holmes said, What I don't accept is mainstream media immediately slapping the theories down as not true when they don't know it's not true. Health experts have been quick to dismiss Holmes's comments, including cellular microbiology professor Dr Simon Clark, who said, Numerous doctors and scientists around the world have said that the disease is caused by a virus, something completely different to a mobile phone signal. Meanwhile, arsonists who believe 5G technology is linked to the virus have targeted a mobile phone mast serving the emergency NHS Nightingale Hospital in Birmingham. Vodafone UK chief Nick Jeffrey said the mast providing connectivity to the site had been attacked over the weekend. Jeffrey said it was heart-wrenching enough that families couldn't visit their critically ill loved ones before adding... It's even more upsetting that even the small solace of a phone or video call may now be denied them because of the selfish actions of a few deluded conspiracy theorists. Plans for the creation of a hybrid parliament are expected to be put to MPs next week. The new procedures fall short of a move to a full digital democracy, but are likely to see MPs submit queries to ministers via video calls during departmental questions, statements and urgent questions. MPs involved in the discussions on adapting Commons proceedings during the coronavirus lockdown have said it is unlikely they will become fully virtual due to the difficulty of debating and voting on legislation online. The House of Commons Commission is due to meet today to consider the options. A British woman convicted of lying about being raped in Cyprus is set to speak out about the ordeal in her first television interview. New ITV documentary, Believe Me, the Cyprus Rape Case, includes interviews with a 19-year-old who was unable to leave Cyprus for almost five months after telling police she had been raped by 12 Israeli tourists in an Ayanapa hotel room. The teenager has insisted police forced her to retract the claim, telling the documentary there was no other way out of that police station other than to sign a retraction statement. The woman was handed a suspended four-month jail sentence for public mischief in January. She has since lodged an appeal with Cyprus's Supreme Court. The 12 accused men were released without charge. Full construction of the high-speed rail project, HS2, is set to begin after the government gave a formal green light to the scheme on Wednesday. Ministers said they had signed the official notice to proceed, permitting HS2 Limited to build the line. The government said the project, which has an estimated cost of up to £106 billion, would give Britain's construction industry a vote of confidence at a time of economic uncertainty. The project's official start comes despite a recently updated business case which claims the route between London and Birmingham is likely to provide poor value for money for UK taxpayers. The Advertising Standards Authority, ASA, has banned Burger King ads, suggesting its new plant-based burger is vegan-friendly. 
The Rebel Whopper burger does not contain beef, but is cooked alongside meat and contains eggs. The watchdog said the chain's claim that the burger was 100% Whopper, no beef, could lead consumers to mistakenly believe it did not contain animal products and was suitable for vegans. Burger King has defended its advertising as clean and transparent, saying, We communicated from the outset that the Rebel Whopper is aimed at a flexitarian audience. A 99-year-old war veteran who hoped to raise £1,000 for the NHS by walking around his garden has seen his donations rise to more than £12 million in just one week. Captain Tom Moore shared his fundraising page with a pledge to walk 100 lengths of his 25-metre garden in Bedfordshire to raise money for the NHS. Moore's goal was to complete the challenge before his 100th birthday on the 30th of April, but he is currently on track to finish by next Thursday. On Wednesday, Moore pledged to keep walking for as long as the donations continued, saying, If I've done the 100 by tomorrow, I'll have to continue past my birthday, which won't matter because I'll continue walking while people are contributing money to a marvellous fund for the NHS. Elsewhere in the world. The World Health Organization has warned that the Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC, could be facing a second wave of Ebola cases after two people died from the disease. The country had been due to mark the official end of the second deadliest Ebola outbreak on record after more than seven weeks passed without any new cases. However, on Friday, a 26-year-old electrician in the eastern city of Beni was found to have died from the virus. An 11-month-old girl treated at the same healthcare centre has also reportedly died. Officials say it remains unclear how the electrician contracted Ebola as he had no known contact with other infected patients. Barack Obama has announced his endorsement of Joe Biden for president. In a video published on Tuesday, Obama said, Joe has all the qualities we need in a president right now. His endorsement came just a day after Biden's previous rival for the Democratic nomination, Bernie Sanders, announced his support for Biden's campaign. Obama said his former vice president had the character and the experience to guide us through one of our darkest times. The endorsement video marks Obama's first major intervention in the 2020 election race. His active support could play a vital role in galvanising Democrats behind Biden's campaign. A historic deal has been struck by the world's largest oil producers, agreeing to slash global production by almost 10%. The deal is aimed at protecting the oil market against the impact of the coronavirus pandemic, which has seen demand for oil plummet and triggered a collapse in prices. The agreement between members of the OPEC oil cartel and its partners will see almost 10 million barrels withheld each day, amounting to the biggest oil production deal in history. The alliance, known as OPEC+, Plus, signifies a truce between the organisation's de facto leader, Saudi Arabia, and its market rival, Russia. Oil prices claimed to $31 a barrel in response to the deal on Monday after plunging to 18-year lows of less than $28 at the start of April. Cardinal George Pell is facing a further investigation after a new allegation of child sexual abuse was levelled against him, according to News Corp reports. Pell was released from prison last week after Australia's High Court acquitted him of five historical child sexual abuse charges. On Tuesday, the Herald Sun newspaper reported that the Cardinal was now being investigated over a separate incident which allegedly occurred in the Victorian count of Ballarat during the 1970s. A Victoria police spokesman declined to comment on the reports. Ukrainian authorities have set a fire that threatened to engulf the abandoned Chernobyl nuclear plant has now been contained. Emergency services said there remained some smouldering areas of forest floor on Tuesday, but no open fire was burning. It follows claims from Greenpeace Russia on Monday, warning that the fire was just one kilometre away from the site of the 1986 nuclear catastrophe. 
Hundreds of firefighters were deployed to fight the blaze, with aircraft dumping more than 538 tonnes of water on the fire on Monday. Ukraine's emergency services said background radiation around the capital of Kiev is within normal limits. Ireland's ruling party, Fine Gael, and its rival, Fianna Fáil, are reportedly close to forming a coalition government after the country's general election in February resulted in a hung parliament. On Tuesday, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, who leads Fine Gael, agreed to seek full and equal partnership with Fianna Fáil leader Michael Martin. The leaders said they intend to rotate the position of Taoiseach over the five-year term. Before a coalition government can be formed, Varadkar and Martin must sell the deals to their parties. They must also secure the support of an additional group of Irish MPs, as together Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil hold just 72 seats, eight short of a majority in the 160-seat chamber. facts of the week are. The street in Wales, declared as the steepest in the world, has lost its title to a rival road in New Zealand. A change in criteria by Guinness World Records means fourth Penlech in Harlech, with a gradient of 37.45%, has lost the top spot to Baldwin Street in Dunedin. The rule change means measurements now follow a road's central line, resulting in the Wales Street's gradient being downgraded to just 28.6% and Baldwin Street, with a gradient of 34.8%, reclaiming the title it previously held for a decade. Pharrell Williams' song Happy has been named the UK's most played song of the decade. The US singer's record was penned for the soundtrack of animated movie Despicable Me 2 in 2013 and spent four non-consecutive weeks at the top of the UK charts. The most played list was compiled by music licensing company PPL using UK music usage and airplay data from its licensees, including radio stations and TV channels. And finally, the average age which heterosexual women get married is now 35.7 years old, according to the latest official figures. Data from the Office for National Statistics found the average age for a man marrying in a heterosexual couple is now 38 years. By comparison, the average age of marrying same-sex partners is slightly higher at 36.6 years for women and 40.1 years for men. There were 242,842 marriages registered in 2017, the most popular date being the 2nd of September when 4,370 weddings took place and the least popular being Christmas Day when only three couples wed. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.